give God another hand clap of praise? Man. Well, right where you're at, just go ahead and lift your hands up right now before God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we just thank you right now. We lift up these holy hands just before you in your presence as a moment of uh, surrender and a moment of acknowledging you. Uh, as we continue in tonight's worship service, we prepare our hearts to hear what you would have to say. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Feel free to move up and down every aisle and in and out of your role and touch, heal, deliver, set free and make whole. Anything wrong in our lives, we thank you that by your words, you're making it right tonight. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the might of your word, getting results in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on and give God another hand clap of praise. Why don't you greet the person who's nearest to you and tell them that you're glad that they made it on tonight? And if my guys, uh, if we can cool off the front a little bit more, um, then that would be awesome. Praise God. How many of you guys are blessed? How many of you guys say all is well in my life? Amen. That is the truth. That is the truth, you know. But the truth of the matter is because of the grace of God, we're good. Amen. And we, we're going to look more at how good we are. <laughs> because, you know, oftentimes um, the trick of the enemy is to get us stuck at trying to get what we already got. And if we spend time trying to get what we already got, then we can never get to where God's trying to get us to. Amen. Um, this part of our Marriage Made by One series, um, we're talking about the fact that we indeed are made to love. And we begin talking about this last week, and hopefully we'll get to finish this part up tonight. But uh, every Christian, uh, God made us to love. Amen? Uh, we're here to worship him and to re have a relationship with him and to love him, but also to love one another. Uh, our sole purpose is not to get rich or die, not trying. Uh, our sole purpose is not to uh, sit up here and try to get all we can get in life, even though that's what the world would like us to believe. Uh, but according to God, we're made indeed to love. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that we looked at last week just to kind of uh, recap and, and catch those up who may not have uh, been with us. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll actually start at verse 1, and then we'll go up to verse 3. And let's look at this in the, uh, we'll start off in the King James Version. So Ephesians 4, 1, and then we'll include all the way up to 3. Amen. Uh, it says in verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye what? You walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. Now, here's the key thing. Forbearing one another how? In love. Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, let's look at this in the Amplified. So, you see right there in verse 2, he said, you know, you, you want to do this all in love. He says, I therefore the prisoner... For the Lord appeal to you and beg you to walk, to lead a life. So we're talking about our daily 
actions, our daily words, how we interact with one another. He says, I want you to walk and lead a life that's worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. Did you know that every Christian, every believer is indeed called? Say, I'm called. called. And, And so this is not just for pastors. This is not just for preachers or ministers or whatever like that or leaders in the church. This is for everybody. He said, you're all called, and he's encouraging us to all lead a life worthy of that calling. Amen? Now, I want you to understand, he's not putting this as a condition to say, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Because grace has saved us, has it not? But he's saying, because grace has saved you, because you are now a child of God, here's how you should live. See, all this time we've kind of had it backwards. We, we've had it, I got to live right so that I can then be qualified to go to heaven. And what this is saying is, listen, you're qualified uh, to go to heaven. All is well with you because of Christ and the finished works of Jesus. However, right living for the Christian does have a place. Once I've received God, once Christ lives on the inside of me, the evidence of that should be in how I'm living. So I don't get to say I'm saved by grace and I can just do and say and act any way I want to do, any way I want to act, any way I want to talk. Amen? He said you should live a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Is my behavior a credit to God's call? Are my words a credit to God's call? Now, now remember, I know we're, 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 we're talking about marriage and relationships, so think about in all your relationships, how you talk to others, uh, if you're married to your spouse, is it, is it a credit to who God is and what he's called you to? Amen. Amen. No can say, say there is no condemnation <laughs> to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so this is not a thing to condemn us. This is a thing to, to make us kind of look at ourselves and, 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 and reflect and say, man, do I have to make some adjustments? Amen? Because right living does have a place for the believer. Right speaking or confessions does have a place for the believer. So it's not that I just get to go and say, do anything and say, I know I cussed you out, Frank, but it's under grace. <laughs> well, 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 it is technically under grace, but at the same time, we're admonished to live a life that's a credit to the summon of God's service. Verse 2, it says, living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind. So that's what humility and meekness unselfishness, gentleness, mildness. Somebody say mildness. Sometimes we just look too sharp. Think about mild cheddar versus sharp cheddar. (laughs) Sometimes we're just a little too sharp and we're just a little too edgy. We don't understand. That's just how I am. Well, 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 unselfishness, gentleness. And you see, all this is uh, revolving around this idea of others first. Not thinking of ourselves, not being selfish, because uh, somebody may say, well, practically, how, how can I do this? Well, it starts in your mind. You have to get your mind off of you. You have to get your mind off of how that person's done you wrong. You have to get your, uh, your mind off of uh, how this has hurt you or affect you over, affected you over all these years or, or how it's making you feel right now. And you got to get your mind on someone else other than yourself in order to do this. <clears throat> now, it's going to take the help of God to get that done. Don't get me wrong. 
But this, that's what it looks like. It's humility, it's meekness, uh, it's lowliness of mind, it's unselfishness, gentleness, mildness. And then here it is, with patience. Bearing with one another and making allowances. You see that word? Making allowances. What, is a, what does making allowance mean? Somebody just yell out, what does making allowance mean? What is an allowance? A portion. A portion. What else? Everybody was like, that was good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's money, it's a portion. It's, it's giving someone uh, something from me that's not necessarily theirs. Or, 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 or grace. Yeah, when, when I'm allowing something, uh, I just kind of let that slide or let that go. I'm going to give you uh, some space to kind of get away with that. Tolerance. Tolerance even, yeah. So, so making allowances, but then here's the big thing. Why? Why should I do that? Because you love one another. But I don't want to love somebody else. <laughs> I get that. But, but what the word says is I, I do this and here's what it looks like. And it should be because I am walking in love. Not because they deserve it. Nowhere in here did they say it was deserved, did it? So just to be clear, this is not talking about when things are going great and things are going well. This is actually talking about in those undeserved times. I dare say it's not love if everything is going good. To act right and to talk right and to treat somebody right is nice if everything is going well, but I can't actually say it's love. It's, it's really, a lot of the times I can dare say it's not love until I gotta be lower in my mind. It's not love until I have the right to stand against that person or to, to not uh, give this person any props or not think about this person because they've done me wrong. So I have a right to do it, but love says I am not going to treat you the way I want to treat you. I'm going to treat you the way the Holy Spirit's leading me to treat you. You deserve something worse than what I'm about to do. I'm about to say something nice back to you even though you said something crazy to me. I'm about to sow into your life even though you're taking my joy away from, or you're trying to rob me of my joy in this moment. I'm about to do good to you even though you've done bad to me. That's, that's love. Well, Archie, how are you defining that that way? Where are you getting that from? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? We sinned, we sinned, we did him wrong. Uh, we were the unrighteous and all of this. And what did he still do? He still sacrificed for us. He still gave himself up for us. He still lived that perfect life for you and me without even knowing us. And he still set us up by grace. And that we call love. Nowhere in the Bible did it say he did all of that for us as we deserved it. No, it's the exact opposite. So as human beings, as who are believers, who are Christians, we have to really start properly defining love and saying, you know what, it ain't love until it's a, can I just say this as plain as possible because I'm trying to find these other words to say it. It ain't love until things are going bad. It, that's when love shows up. Love shows up in the pit. Love shows up in the fire. Love shows up uh, in the storm. That's what, that's what love does. Love shows up in all the mess, and then love then presents itself to radically change the situation. Somebody said, oh, well, didn't Jesus show up in the fire and Jesus showed up in the pit? And exactly, because he is love. So you see, you make these allowances because you love one another. Verse 3. Be eager. Somebody say eager. eager. 
So it speaks to your mindset. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit and the binding power of peace. Now, you need to underline this entire thing, circle it, whatever like that, because what it's telling you right here is the, the word, Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus, and he's telling them, listen, you're going to have to work to keep this going. This is not a one-time thing. This is going to have to be protected and maintained. Amen? He said, be eager and strive earnestly to guard. I don't set up guards unless there's an opportunity for something to be stolen. See, we, 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 we sometimes you can step out and you can love that one time and then we don't guard our minds and guard our hearts and guard our households and guard our space to ensure that the enemy has no way to get in and rob this peace. Amen? Some practical ways that I can guard myself. You're doing it tonight. Showing up to church and receiving the word so that there can be fresh revelation and the anointing uh, flowing through your life in every way because you got some word to speak and put out into those situations that may try to pop up in your life. That's a, that's a valid way to guard that. And ultimately, as we've been teaching on Sundays, spending time with God. Finding my security in him. Uh, letting who he is rub off on me even more so that when strife tries to show up and, and then jealousy tries to show up and anger and all these other things try to show up, I'm guarded already because I am protected by God. My mind has stayed on him and ain't nothing but love on my mind because only God's on my mind. So he said, be eager, be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and then I love this part right here where they put these brackets, uh, which means it's not in the original text, and it's there just to explain that this, this oneness and this harmony is produced by the Holy Spirit. I love that. And you might say, why? It's because, again, here's God saying, I'm taking the pressure off of you. You don't have to produce this love. You don't have to produce this peace and harmony. That's my job. All you have to do is allow it into your life. All you got to do is be humble. All you got to do is take a step back and allow me to step forward. I'm going to go to work on your behalf if you're willing to wait for me. And, and my spirit on the inside of you will produce the peace, will produce the oneness, will produce the harmony. But it's my spirit on the inside of you, and he's never going to force his way into your life. So that's, where the, that's, that's why you have to be submitted. You're, you're actually submitting, as it says in verse 1, to the Holy Spirit. And when you submit to the Holy Spirit, then you can produce all of this. It's like ground outside when you plant a seed, and if that ground doesn't submit or give way, the, the seed will never grow. And if the seed never grows, then the tree will never grow, and there will never be any production of fruit. If it's bad ground, and that ground is too hard, or it, let, let's say if you plant a seed, and then you put concrete over it, is that concrete necessarily going to give way anytime soon? Most likely not, and the seed will probably never produce and die. But if it's good soil and it's planted the right way in the right situation, then it's going to break through. And eventually there's going to be fruit. 
And what he's saying is, is when you humble yourself, you're giving God good ground to be able to work with. And let me make this real plain. Um, good ground to be able to work with. Because your heart is your, your soul. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. And when you got your mind right and your emotions in check and, 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 and your will is now becoming his will, you're tilling the ground, making it ready for the seeds of love to be planted. And then when crazy stuff happens in your relationships and in your life, what's going to be, what's going to happen is, is that that love that has been worked and tilled and guarded and kept is going to produce that tree and off that tree is going to come the fruit of the spirit, which is indeed love. But he's saying, now be careful. You got to, you got to keep guard because the enemy is coming to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now, all our lives, we thought that the stealing and the killing and destroying was just going to be us physically. He can't touch you physically. Think, let's, let's, let's think about this. I know this is a little tangent, but think about this. What is he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? That, that, that tree, that, that harvest, that production of love. He wants to steal the seed. He wants to kill the production of love in your life, and he wants to ultimately destroy it because he can't touch you physically. He can't touch your stuff. Double take your hands off my stuff. He can't touch it unless you let him. Unless you let him in. But he, he want, if, he can, if he can stop this and then take your peace, the last thing you're doing is confessing the word over anything in your life. The last thing you're doing is, is allowing the word of God to be the final authority in any area of your life. And so he's coming. How many of you guys know what I'm saying is true? Amen. He's coming. But the spirit, he's the binding power of peace. If you understand that, say amen. So again, this is on the Holy Spirit. Our job is to believe and to humble ourselves. His job is to produce the peace. His job is to produce the harmony. And he is also the producer of love in your life. Amen. Okay, let's go to Colossians 3, Colossians 3, chapter 12, and we're going to go down to verse 24. We're going to look at this in the ERV, Colossians 3, 12. Okay, it says God, now this is kind of long, so I want you just to stick with me on it, but it's, it's, it's every verse is good, so just, let's just check it out. God has chosen you and made you his holy people, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has chosen us all and he's made us. Who made us? God. Who made us? God. He made us his holy people. Say this with me. God is making me holy. God is, God is working on the inside of me. So here we go again. It's not on me to make myself holy. That's his job. I said that's his job. My job is to be one of his people. His job is to make me. My job is to be. His job is to make me. My job is to be. I am a child of God. But he makes me. Amen? He loves you. So your new life should be just like this. Now, if you're saved, that's the new life it's talking about. How many saved folk I got in the room right now? Okay, so this is talking about us. 
<clears throat> your new life should be like this. Show mercy to others. Ha. Amen. Mercy, not grace. Now, grace is, 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 we should be gracious, but in this particular scripture, it's saying show mercy. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is the good I'm going to do to you when you show enough don't deserve it. You deserve punishment. So this is saying somebody straight up has done you wrong. And to be one of his people, he makes me able to show them mercy. He makes me able to be merciful to my spouse. He makes me able to be merciful to my children. He makes me able to be merciful, merciful to my other family members. He makes me able to be merciful on my job. He makes me, my job is to humble myself and just let it be. Somebody had a song, let it be. Just, just let it be. But it requires our will to submit to his will. Amen? So show mercy to others. Then he says, let me break it down even more. Be kind. Be humble. Be gentle and patient. This sounds similar to the other scripture we just read, doesn't it? All right, let's keep going. Uh, verse 13. Don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, Go to them and cuss them out. <laughs> if you feel someone has wronged you, go to them and give them a piece of your mind. If you feel someone has wronged you, you have a right because of who you are to tell them how you feel and then forgive them. <laughs> no, it says if, if you feel someone has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. Now, who helps you to do this? Who helps you to do this? Who makes you able to do this? So is it of you and yourself alone? Uh-uh, I need a 100%, actually, I need a 1,000% dose of him to do this. In spending time with him regularly, I will be filled up with peace, with joy. Why? I'm secure in his love for me. And I'm going to receive that love and receive that love and receive that love to the point where I'm overflowing and now I can go into everyday, my everyday world and do this because he is dripping off of me. But real talk, if I have not spent time with him, let me say that differently. If I have not spent adequate, intimate time with him, how do I know it's adequate? How do I know it's enough? You, you know it's enough because when you walk out, all you'll be doing is thinking about how good he is. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to give you a time limit. I'm going to tell you it's five hours, one hour, whatever like that. It's until he's done. Until there's a breakthrough. Let me make it even more plain. Until you believe what his word says about everything in your life. And you'll have a peace. You'll know that you know that you know all is well. That's when you get up and say, I'm ready now. Amen? If a car has a destination that it's trying to get to, it better have a full tank in order to get there. 
You don't leave the gas station without enough gas. Amen? It would be crazy to try to make it to Dallas on a quarter tank of gas. Well, that's all I got time to get. I'm just going to stop and put 10 in it. You're not going to make it. But that's all I have time to do. You got to understand, you're not going to make it. But I'm going to believe God that this is enough. You are not going to make it. <laughs> that's not God's fault. That ain't even the devil's fault. You need an entire tank <laughs> to make it that four hours. Because, well, no, my, my car is an eco car, and we can make it that far. And, and that, but what if you hit traffic? What if things don't go as smooth as you planned? You better have them some extra in the tank. Amen. Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. Uh, verse 14. Together with these things, the most important part of your new life is to what? Y'all getting real quiet on me in here. The most important part of this new life of the believers to do what? Ah, no, it's to go to church. No, it's to tithe. No, it's to, to be on the choir. No, it's to never, ever do anything wrong. To love each other, not to get the 17 principles of prosperity, not to speak with tongues of angels. No, he says it's to love each other. I mean, there's an entire chapter in Corinthians that talks about this. That you can do all that other stuff, but if you ain't loving each other, you ain't got nothing. If you ain't got love. Why? Because love is what holds everything together in perfect unity. Unity to what? To his will, to his purpose, to him. To not have love in your life is to introduce cracks in, in bad bonds to, of your life to the will of God. You're, he got you stuck to him. But when you're not allowing love to be the glue at the end of the day, it says that there's not perfect unity. It says that things have an opportunity to break off and to not be what it's supposed to be. Why is this going wrong in my life? What's going on? The solution is check your love life. Because God works. Love never fails. He's not the problem. The word ain't the problem. Now I'm talking to a mature group of believers, amen? It might be something off with me allowing love to fully operate in my life. Love holds everything together. Verse 15. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. Here we go again. Do I have to control my own thinking? What is supposed to control my thinking? The peace. The peace controls my thinking. The shalom. The nothing missing, lacking, or broken. I don't, I don't get up. I don't go and take any action until I have peace. When I have peace, I, I move. When I have peace, I talk. If there is no peace, I don't do nothing. Now let's take one more step backwards in this. 
Where does that peace come from? Let the peace that Christ gives, this is not peace I produce myself. Peace dictates what I do and think and say. But that peace comes from Christ. To get peace from Christ, I must spend time with Christ. Does that make sense? And as I spend time with him, there is a promise of peace. And that peace is then what I walk out into everyday life with. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Now it says, let the peace. That means you got a choice. And we, we know how English works. It's, it's the command, but it's, it's you let. You let the peace. Now, if I don't let the peace run my thinking and control my thinking, that's my choice. But then I, I, I don't need to expect victory. I don't know about you, but I want victory in every area of my life. If he set this thing up so well that all I got to do is let him, all I got to do is let him, all I got to do is let him, that's it. I just got to let go. Here's the Christian cliche, and let God. <laughs> I just, I just got to let him. You got it, God. You got, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be your child. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let peace do what peace does. And I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to spend time with love. I'm going to spend time with Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and let peace do what it does, which is control my thinking. It is for peace that you were chosen to be together in one body and always be thankful, verse 16. Let the teaching of Christ live inside you richly. Now, here it is again. It's saying you let it. It doesn't have to be there. But you let it live inside you richly. Use all wisdom to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17. Everything you say and everything you do should be done for Jesus your Lord. And in all you do, give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Now, I can do this if I'm in peace. I can do this if I'm walking in forgiveness. I can do this if I'm loving my brother and my sister. I can do this if I'm walking in love with my spouse and my kids and all relationships. I can do this. I can be thankful. I can trust God and everything like that because I'm not weighed down by all the issues that those relationships could normally cause me. Why? Because I'm at peace. It says, in all you do, give thanks to God, give thanks to God, the Father, through Jesus. Verse seven, uh, 18. Now, it says all of this, and oddly enough, now it starts going into relationships. He sets, Paul sets this whole thing up of talking about walking in love with one another, letting peace from Christ guide the way we think. And after he tells them all of that, then he says, wives, be willing to serve or submit to your husbands. Why can she do that? Well, because peace is what's guiding. This is the right thing to do in following the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be gentle to them. Well, why can he do that? Because he's following after peace. Now, what conditions did he put on this? None. 
He just said, this is what you're supposed to do. Why? Because I am following God. If I'm following me, if I'm not humbling myself, then I'm not going to do this. But if I'm trusting in him, letting him produce the love, letting him produce the peace, letting him produce the power, this is just second nature. I said, this is second nature. I want to love my husband. I want to love my wife. I want to, I want to you know, uh, walk in love with the coworker and forgive them. I want to love my kids or I want to love my parents. I, I want to do this. I want to do, oh, you absolutely can do it if you would submit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to Jesus. Submit to the Lord. They're producing and working in you everything you need. He made you his people. And so doing this, it's quite possible for the person who's submitting themselves to God. Uh, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. This pleases the Lord. Verse 21. Fathers, do not upset your children. See, like I said last week, we, we skip this other part a lot of the times. It says, children, treat your parents right, but parents, treat your children right. Fathers, don't upset your children. If you are too hard to please, they might want to stop trying. They ain't never satisfied. Every time I do something, they got something to say. I messed up one time, and they ain't even talking about the other 25 times I did it right. Because as a parent, you're, you're responding out of fear. That one time they mess up, you saw you. So I, I saw uh, something online that said, you know, uh, we spend all this time, uh, and it's interesting because now we got to parent ourselves out of our children. You got to be careful of that because if you, if you parent in that way because you see yourself and your child, now you're parenting out of fear. Let's be honest, for the majority of us, our children are nothing like we were. You know what you did. You straight up know what you used to do. Your kids don't even know what you used to do. But let them do one thing. <laughs> you freaking out. You used to sneak out every night. Getting high. They came home late by one hour. And you lost your mind. Fear, fear coming up on the inside of you, thinking, actually in guilt probably from what you used to do. <laughs> Afraid they're going to be like you are. No, 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 no. God, God is producing peace in you and he's producing love in you and you can be patient and you can be understanding and don't let fear guide you. Amen? Amen. Grace-based parenting, no fearful parenting. Amen. Amen. Uh, verse 22. Servants, obey your masters in everything. Obey all, uh, all the time, even when uh, they can't see you. Don't just pretend to work hard so that they will treat you well. No, you must serve uh, your masters honestly because you respect the Lord. Now, when I look at this, I look at our work relationship. Your boss. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the boss. Well, Jesus, then he your boss. <laughs> How are you working when no one can see you? Because that's what character is really all about. Character is doing what's right and doing, is, doing it right because it's right. Amen? When nobody's looking, 
When Dr. Dollar ain't looking, I'm working on global mission stuff or pastor in this church. Do I just say, you know what? I think I'm just going to preach once a month. And, you know, he, he ain't going to know. Uh, I, I, think, I think I'm just going to, you know, uh, send everybody else on these mission trips overseas and I'm just going to chill at home for the next 10 years. He ain't going to know. I mean, you guys know that's not going to last too long. He says, no, you must serve your masters honestly. Why? Not just because you should be respectful to them, but you respect the Lord. Amen. Verse 23. In all the work you are given, do the best you can. Work. And this means volunteering. This means working for a paycheck. It's in all the work you do. He says, do the best that you can. Work as though you were working for the Lord, not an earthly master. Amen? Now, this is all in the same chapter that was talking about being loving and, and letting peace guide you and everything like that because he's saying once you get your heart right and submitted to God, the living right part becomes second nature to all of that. Verse 24. Remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord. Say, I receive my reward. From the, Lord, from the Lord, who will give you what he has promised his people. Yes, you are serving Christ. He is your real master. Grace has already set you up. You're, you're, and the blessing is set up for you. But I got to make sure I stay sealed and stuck to love in the process so I don't get off of his way and his path and end up missing my blessing. The blessing is there for you. Let's say if this pulpit was the blessing, being a child of God and, and, and walking in love and serving as he said I should, uh, my, my spouse, my children, uh, my employer, whatever like that, all of that keeps me connected to him and I'm headed in the right way. I'm headed in love's way. But if I choose to get out of love and start doing my own thing and not letting peace guide me, I am starting to separate from him. And even though the blessing is there, I miss my blessing. Grace has made it available. But some of us are wondering, why do I not seem to be getting the breakthrough I need to be getting? Well, check your relationship first with God and then with others because the most important thing is not getting the blessing. The most important thing is living the life of love. And if I live the life of love, the blessing will be the byproduct. We've been trying to get the blessing. We've been trying to go through the mechanics and we've been missing the root thing, which is the relationship with God that then leads us to right relationship with others. And as a result, the blessing is a part of my life. Amen. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So the enemy's goal at the end of the day is to break the line of love in your life so you can't win or not even, you won't even be able to stand against him. That's his goal. He doesn't want you to win. So he's going to try to sever you the best he can from love. But I got good news for you. Love lives in you. And he said, I'm not ever leaving you nor forsaking you. The devil trying to make you think God's not there, but he's there. He's trying to make you think God ain't talking to you. But like I said before, if he talked to Cain after murdering Abel, if he talked to Adam and Eve after disobeying him in the garden, if he talked to the thief sitting on the cross, who wasn't even saved, then what makes you think that love is done with you? 
God loves you. So you got to understand when, when, when love begins to break down in your life, then it begins to, the word I'm looking for, uh, it begins to mess with the power of God in your life. You, you're, you're, you're not walking in love, and so you're not, remember we talked a couple weeks ago about our love language? You're not speaking that love language. You're not living that love language. So all of a sudden, you're not walking in the power that God has given you. And as a result, things can start to mess up in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your stuff starts going wrong and weird, and you're like, what's the deal? Let me make it just real plain. Check your attitude. Check you. And I'm talking about the you that we don't see. Amen? Amen. Because I know I'm looking at the room and we got believers in the house. So I'm talking about the you we don't see. The you that's tucked away. The you that's only you and God know about. You got you to gotta check with that person and make sure that person's good to go. Make sure that person's walking in forgiveness. Make sure that person's mind has stayed on him. Make sure that person is trusting him. Make sure that person is spending intimate time with him. And, and you will be successful. That's his promise, amen? amen? Let's keep going. I wrote down here that the only thing that never fails is love because God is love. If the enemy can get you out of love, he has successfully moved you out of God's way of doing things and into his. And that way, you will open up yourself to experiencing failure and defeat but to stay in him is to remain fixed in your victory. Now, real quick, let's, let's talk a little bit more about this. So, how many of you guys have heard the term carnality or being carnal? What, is, what does that mean? Some folks just yell it out. Fleshy, worldly. Yeah, doing your own will. So, all of that is absolutely right. And here's, here's a... a a new or another part of the definition I want to submit to you today. To be carnal is to be of the five senses. And here's what that means. That means, as somebody said, I'm kind of doing things my own way based on what my experiences are, what I see, what I feel, what I hear. All of these senses come in and tell me what I think I now know. And instead of sticking to what God says, I go with what I now know based on what I've experienced through these five carnal senses. Do you understand that? So if I get cussed out, my feeling on that situation is based on what I just heard, not on what God's word says. God's word says, I just read it, I should forgive. God's word says I should apply mercy. That would be to walk in the spirit. But to walk in the flesh or to be carnal would be to respond based on what I heard and what I now think. Do you see the difference? So carnality is the enemy to spirituality. Carnality is the enemy to spirituality and walking in the spirit is how we actually produce love. So if I stay over in these five senses into my way of thinking and my way of doing, the production of love is hindered in my life. 
Every time I go by what I think or what I feel or what I see or what I hear, all of a sudden, I make what he says secondary. So love takes a back seat in my life. And we just spent time reading that entire thing of Colossians to show you the power of love leading the way. And also the command of love leading the way. But if I become a carnal-minded person or a person who lives carnal, then I put love in the back seat. So all of a sudden, that victory that's promised, that peace that's promised, uh, uh, that ability to have all this produced in me is no longer there, not because God's not there, but because I didn't let it be. Are you with me? And so now I begin to feel hopeless. Now I begin to feel depressed. Now I begin to feel down. Not because God's not there, but because love is not being produced because I didn't let it be. Are you with me? If you got hopelessness, and I'm getting to a whole other message we're going to be teaching on, um, uh, mental illness and, and this thing about depression and suicide. Uh, but, but if that's going on in my life and I've gotten to that point of hopelessness, sometimes it's a matter of I got to back up and go back and spend time with him and let love lead the way. Because this hopelessness is a, is a sign of, ex, uh, of not expecting God to do anything else in my life. I don't, I don't expect him to do nothing. I mean, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing's happened. But, but maybe the reality is, is I'm going by what I see. I'm going by the pain I feel. I'm going by the things uh, I'm hearing. What's the other ones? Uh, taste and uh, I'm missing one. Yeah, and smell. So I'm going by these senses instead of by what he said. I got to stick to what he said and then to know what he said, I got to be spending time with him. Amen? So... Um, Senses were indeed made by God to enjoy life, but they were never to become the founding source of what we believe is true in life. I'll say that again. Senses were indeed made by God and given to us to enjoy life. Amen? But they were never designed to take the front seat in our life and become the voice that tells us what's true in life. And that's what man has done. Man has put in front of the voice of God, the voice of us. And those five senses are leading the way. You hear what she said about you? You see how he looked at you? You smell that? <laughs> you taste that? God's like, no, don't do that, or, or, or do this instead, or don't eat that, you know, or don't smoke that, or, or Holy Spirit's like, don't drink that, uh, you know, or whatever he's saying to you for you, but those senses say otherwise, and those senses then lead the way. And, and if, if I find myself in that trap, now I, I am living carnally, amen? Now, does that mean God doesn't love me? Again, this is important because many of us were taught, oh my gosh, you're carnal, you're going to hell. Not necessarily that I'm going to hell, but I can go to the bank, and we'll look at this in Galatians in a minute, that I won't be able to live the life God has intended for me. Because carnality leads me over into sin. 
it leads me to a place of not believing God, which makes sense because I believe my senses more than I believe him. If you understand that, say amen. So senses were made by God, but they were never to become the source of what we believe is true in life. For that, we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is supposed to be the one who is leading my life. All right. Y'all ready for this next part? Are you sure? All right, because we're reading some word tonight, okay? We read the word every night, but we're reading some word tonight, and I got to prepare you for this because I don't want you to just start laying out on your pew and uh, saying, well, he's going to be a minute. So, but, but I got to show you this, and I got to show you this in its entirety because I need you to, to see and unravel this lie that the enemy's put out there. And he's kind of confused the issue of carnality and spirituality. People are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, and it's really simple. So we just talked about carnality, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but we're also going to look at spirituality. Uh, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to look at this in a message Bible. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, and he's the one changing me. He's the one that produces love in me, and, and he's the one that's supposed to be the voice I am following if I am going to produce this love, this love for my spouse, this love for my children, this, this love that should affect all of my relationships. But it comes from first a relationship with him. All right, here we go. It says, Christ has set us free. That alone, I, you know, that just makes me happy. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Say, I got free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Woo, look at that. Christ set you free. Grace has set you free. Women, you are free. I say, women, you are free. Nobody can put a harness of slavery on you anymore. Nobody can put rules and regulations on you anymore telling you what you got to do. Just don't let nobody else put a harness of slavery on you. Verse 2. I am, I am emphatic about this, Paul is saying. The moment any of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at the same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. That's, that's pretty powerful. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision, the old way, the law, the rules, and all that type of stuff, trades all the advantages. There's advantages when we have the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. Again, pretty powerful, right? We're going to read the whole thing, though, amen? But he's making it clear, you're free. Grace has set you free. Verse 4, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. As we were just talking about, I'm supposed to be connected with love and unified with love, but when I get carnal, when I start going by my way, I begin to become disconnected from him. 
This is called falling out of grace. This is grace. I'm in grace when I'm in him and I'm in love and I'm letting him lead the way. But when I start doing things my way and walking in unbelief, grace is still there. It's still available. The blessing is there, but I have fallen out of it. Did he push me out? Did the devil drag me out? I let it be. So he said, make the choice to not let this be, let this be, and stay in grace. Amen? Meanwhile, we expect, and, but he said, I love how he says it though, I suspect you didn't intend to do that, but it happened. He says, meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. There's a solution. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, which is faith expressed in love. My faith expressed in the love of God. Do I have faith in the love of God? But this is an intimate thing that happens. This is an interior thing. This is not an external thing. This is something that happens on the inside when I have relationship with the Spirit. Again, we're back to the root of this is relationship with God. Verse 7. You were running superbly. Who cut in on you? Deflecting you from the true course of obedience. What's the true course of obedience? Walking in faith in God's love, relationship with the Spirit. This detour does not come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please, don't toss this off as insignificant. It only takes a, a minute amount of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. I love how Paul shares the love of God. He says, listen, this is not looking too good, but I got confidence in you. Why do I got confidence in you? Because God has confidence in you. You're not going to defect. You're going to hear this word. It's going to permeate your life, and you're going to change. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, will bear divine judgment. Verse 11. As you go to verse 11, that's just to let you know the enemy doesn't get away with messing with you. You are a child of God. Been trying to trick you, been trying to deceive you, but I want you to know God got something for him. As for the rumor that I continue to preach the ways of circumcision, Paul is saying, as for the rumor that I'm still teaching the law, as I did in those pre-Damascus road days. See, many people don't know this. Like Paul, when he was a persecutor of Christians, he was straight a believer and teacher of the law. That's why he was tripping because he was like, y'all teaching this grace stuff and y'all teaching this Jesus stuff and that's not how it is. The law is the way. And anybody who doesn't believe this and teach this got to die. And then he had the Damascus road experience where God said, that's my old way. This is my new way. That's why people were tripping when Paul, out of all people, started teaching and preaching. Is they were like, ain't that Paul that used to kill people for this stuff? And so Paul said, for people who still think I'm teaching that old way, he said, that is absurd. Why would I still be persecuted then? 
He said, if I was teaching the old stuff, people would be cool with it. But clearly he was persecuted. He said, if I were to preach the old message, no one would be offended. If I mentioned the cross now and then, it would be uh, so watered down, it wouldn't matter one way or the other. Why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? <laughs> 13. <laughs> I, th I think you got that. It, I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It is absolutely clear. I was looking for like some spiritual thing. It, yeah. Uh, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Now we're back to what he was talking about in, in verse one. Just make sure, now, now all the women free, amen? amen. All the men free, amen? amen? He said, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do. Why? Because over in Colossians, I told you this freedom, you should be loving folks. Over in Ephesians, I told you, you should be loving folks. And if your freedom doesn't lead you to love, then you're not really free. You're still bound to unforgiveness. You're still bound to selfishness. See, God's love always promotes you to put others first. See, this is the, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but this is the difference between equality and feminism. Oh, I'm free and I'm equal and I have just as much right to the presence of God and the power of God as any man or anybody else. But this other thing makes me, puts me in a place where I become almost superior in my attitude and more self-aware and self-absorbed and, and that's not God. Amen? Amen? So he said, don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. He's saying, you're free, but you'll destroy freedom. You'll go back into bondage to trying to be free. And I've seen people do this under grace. They'll be under grace and they'll be, I can drink, I can smoke what I want to do, I can, I can sleep with who I want to sleep with, and I can just da 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 And, and they're, they're, they don't even realize you're back in bondage. The devil don't did a okie doke on you. And, and you thinking you're free and now you're trying to live any which way and because you haven't rightly divided the word of truth, you're back into the mess you, and you're almost worse off than you were beforehand. So he says, you know, don't, don't destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom, this is huge, to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows because now it's not just you free, it's the people you're serving become free too because the love of God as you radiate it to other people, it's not going to fail them or you. Now they change and more people change. It says, for everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Here we go with a very absolute statement. Everything we know about God's word can be summed up in one single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. How many of you guys know we were made to love? That's an act of true freedom. You want to be free in your marriage? Love. Oh, when it's rough, exercise your freedom. Exercise your right to be free and to let grace and mercy and peace flow out of you and impact the life of your spouse. And watch things not change. Amen? Amen. Amen? He said, that's a true act of freedom. 
if you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Verse 16. My counsel is this. Say those two words together. Live freely. Animated and motivated by God's spirit. Whoa. So to live free is to be led by the Holy Spirit. To rightfully live free is not to live by my senses, is not to live by what I think, is to live by how the Holy Spirit leads me. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. There's something carnal, if you will, on the inside of us that doesn't want this to happen. So that's why I have to choose to let the Holy Spirit lead the way. Amen? It's your will becoming submitted to his will. That's your job. It's your will becoming submitted to his will. That's all you got to do. He set it up for us to say that's all you got to do is just put you second and I'll do the rest. Just as the, uh, yeah, it's at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, uh, these two ways of life are antithetical. They go against each other. They're the opposite. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. And man, I know a lot of people that are right there. Oh, I feel God's presence. All is well in my life. I can't stand it. I got one more time to say something to me. And blah, 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 blah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your word on Sunday. And blah, 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 blah. Monday, I can't stand this job. They got one more time. I'm, I'm going to knock her out. And, and, it just, and it's just up and down and up and down. And he's saying that's, 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 not, that's not the way. You make a choice based on your relationship with me and in my word to stick to stick your belief to what I said. Forget about what you see. Forget about what you hear. Trust me. It says, uh, why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Verse 19. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. It's obvious that that's what grows and produces out of trying to get our own way. But thank God the chapter does not end there. Verse 22. This isn't the first time I warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Verse 22. But what happens? Everybody say, but. Praise God for the but. But what happens when we live God's way? 
Now remember, this is not talking about me going to heaven. It's talking about me having all that he has for me in life. But I got to let this be. I got to make the choice to live his way based on the relationship I have with the Holy Spirit. When we choose to live his way, he brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. And this now is going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Things like affection for others or love. Exuberance about life. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Stick with my spouse. Stick with my family. Stick with this job. Stick with where God has called me to go to church or to serve. I, I develop this when I choose to live a life his way and not by my carnal desires. A sense of compassion in the heart. Lord, soften my heart towards my family. Lord, soften my heart towards my spouse. Live a life. Choose to let the Holy Spirit be the one guiding your way and that heart will soften, amen? I said, amen. amen. A conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. You start seeing people the way God sees them. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Now, I love that not being able to force our way in life because how I many you know it works as your gift will make room for you? Amen. He give, he brings gifts into our lives. And that gift and those gifts will make room for you. You ain't got to force your way into nothing. You don't have to force your way into the relationship on the job. You don't have to force your way into intimacy in your marriage. You don't have to force your way into your children's life. Why? Because he gives you gifts. And that's going to make all the room you need because you've chosen to let the Holy Spirit lead the way. Uh, let's keep going and finish this one up. Legalism is helpless in bringing all this about, setting up rules and all of this. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessity is killed off for good. It's crucified. Selfishness has been crucified in your life. I said selfishness has been crucified in your life. Amen. You don't have to get your own way. Love is your way. Amen. Let's keep going. I think we're near the end. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, there it is, I choose this, the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit is a life I choose. Let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. And that's really good for married couples. Because, you know, we get into them arguments and then it becomes, I'm right, you're wrong, you need to do what I'm saying. He says, if you're walking in the spirit, if you're living by the spirit, you're not comparing whose story is the, is the right story. Right. Whose version of this is the right way. Amen? Amen. He said, uh, we have far more interesting things to do with our lives. <laughs> Each of us is an original. 
I pray and declare that you will be able to allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. Because today is going to be the last day you're stuck in this uninteresting place. There is so much more beyond where you're currently at. But you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through where you're at so you can get to where he's promised. He promises a much more interesting life for you. I want the interesting in my life. I am now disinterested in the uninteresting. To continue to go through things that are not peaceful, to continue to go through things that are not loving, to continue to go through things that are stressful and frustrating, I'm not interested in that anymore. God has something way beyond this. There's a promised land waiting for each and every one of us. I declare the interesting <laughs> over your life in Jesus' name. I declare the breakthrough in your life in Jesus' name. You are an original. And you are free. And God has mighty things that he wants to do through you and on your behalf. And nothing is going to stand in your way, not another day. I declare that you have the ability to choose the life of the Spirit. I declare that by your relationship with God, the Word of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, your confidence will be built up to such a place that faith in His love will no longer be an issue for you. I declare peace in your life right now. And Father, we just raise our hands and give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, if you agree with that, say amen. Second Corinthians 3.18. Y'all like, we got another scripture? Oh, yep, we finishing this up. You gonna walk out of here full with this, amen? No, we're not gonna read this in a message. Uh, go, to, go to the uh, ERV, uh, King James, sorry. Second Corinthians 3.18, King James. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are what? changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord it is his spirit now that has the responsibility to do the changing in your life all you have to do is choose it how many of you guys choose that tonight Amen. Philippians 2 13 For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who's working in you? Who's doing the work in your life? Is it you? Uh-uh, you tried it. How about we just turn it over and let him? Uh, go to the Amplified in this really quickly. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. He is all the while when you're asleep, all the while when you're awake. The Holy Spirit is working in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. He will change your want to. 
Lord, I don't want to love him no more. Lord, I don't want to stay with her no more. Lord, I don't want to deal with these kids no more. I don't want to deal with this job no more. He will give you the energy you need. He will create in you the power, the ability to get it done. And he will give you a new, fresh desire. I declare that over our marriages right now. I declare that over our households, a new and fresh desire for one another. I declare energy to deal with one another, Lord God. <laughs> I ain't got no more energy. I can't deal. I, you got all the energy you need. Amen. I declare energy in the bedroom, glory to God. Amen. Don't you just look straight ahead. We won't know it's you. That was for somebody. I'm too tired. You got energy and desire, glory to God. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Lord, let, let your desires be our desires. Let your pleasure be my pleasure. Let what satisfies you and delight you delight me. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4.13. Uh, go to King James. I can do. Read this with me. Ready? Read. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. There it is. I told you he's the one working in us. It's not in my ability. This is 100% going to be in Christ. When you get a chance to read this in the Amplified, it says he infuses inner strength on the inside of us. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything. Through him who infuses inner strength into me, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Amen? Last one. Psalms 46. Starting at verse 1, we're going to go all the way to 3. King James. God is, uh, go to King James. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountain be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, Selah. I'm not going to fear. Go back to verse 1. Why? Because God's my refuge. God is my strength. My creator is working on the inside of me. Christ has given me the ability to do all I need to do. So no shaking here. No fear no, no, nothing but peace here. Why? Because God got me. And therefore, I am well able in Christ's sufficiency to do everything I need to do. So you have all you need to be successful in your marriage. You have all you need to be successful on your job. You have all you need to be successful in your household. There is nothing missing there is nothing lacking. There is nothing broken. You got peace in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank and praise you once again, and we receive your peace right now. Now, we guard this word, and we thank and praise you.
that peace be our umpire in all things. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that we're going to see on the other side of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Were you blessed by that tonight? Amen. Well, we are made to love. Why? Because we're made to be victorious. And, and there are no losers in this room. There are no quitters in this room. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and uh, worship God with our giving. And if you need to offer an envelope, just let the ushers know by raising your hands. Uh, if you're giving by text, uh, you can follow directions on the screen. Um, so today, so in victory, so in trusting God, so knowing all as well. And as you're preparing those offerings, if anyone in this room uh, needs prayer uh, for salvation uh, or if you need prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or if you want to join our church, in just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet. And as we do, uh, I want you to come down here to the front. And also, if you're in this room tonight and you just need prayer, amen, if you need prayer, uh, I want you to also come down to the front. We're going to pray with and for you for whatever it is that you're dealing with uh, in your life. And we're going to set ourselves in agreement with you. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered. Uh, as we come together, touching and agreeing, anything we ask for, it's going to be done. And as we're two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst of us. There is power in the agreement of prayer. And you're going through something and, and you don't, that's what a church family is for. You're, you don't have to go through that thing alone. Amen. So uh, the altar is open right now. As they're coming down, uh, you can take offerings as they're coming down and we'll just do this thing expeditiously. But I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet real quick. Ushers, you can pass the buckets at the same time. But if you need prayer, I want you to come on down. We're going to pray with and for you. Um, Cheryl, Charday, uh, Deborah, if y'all can come down and just kind of help, help us pray for a couple of folks. Um, you ought to be able to come to church and and, and, and get, get the needs that you have met. Amen? And we can go ahead and start beginning to pray for them for the things that they may be uh, experiencing or dealing with. Uh, that's right, you can come on down. Come on down. It's okay to change, change things up a little bit. Amen? So Father God, we thank and praise you first for the seed that we've sown. We declare that seed blessed in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we lift up those who have come down to receive from you. I thank you, Lord, that every situation that's being brought up is cared for and taken care of by your love. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory in every area that's being ministered to on tonight. For the rest of our congregation, I thank and praise you for your love and your will being done in their lives. As they leave this place, I declare grace, grace over every area. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. In Jesus' name. 
for those of you guys who are in the congregation, if you want to hang out and continue to uh, join your faith for those who are down in prayer, please feel free to. For those of you guys who need to go, have a great evening. We love you so much. Don't forget, we'll be right in the uh, South Community Group or Connect Group, our South Church, tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be preaching there uh, and continuing on in this message. So come on out and hang out with us. If not, we'll see you back here on Sunday. Uh, we love you guys so much. You are dismissed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.